For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is a Wednesday morning edition of Birds 365. You got me, Jody McDonald. I got Jeff Kerr by my side today. As you can see by his smiling face, or at least the picture thereof. John McMullen is here. He'll do the guest spot thing. And then he's got to go make sure he doesn't have COVID. And we're all rooting for you, JM. Uh, first thing first, Jeff Kerr, you okay? I don't know if that's true, by the way, Jody. I am. Hopefully. Jeff is. Hope. I don't know about any of our loyal listeners yeah. or viewers, but... Uh, yeah, we're still pulling for you. Uh, Jeff Kerr, how are you? Good to get you back on the show. Oh, pretty good. Um, you know, the NFL keeps buzzing. Stefan Gilmore just got released by the New England Patriots. It's what a crazy league, John. Yeah. <laughs> you know, two big names on the street in 12 hours. Eagles fans' heads must be exploding. Get that guy. Get that guy. Uh, you got to improve the defense. I, I talked about this a lot, really going back to the spring. And, you know, the Eagles had gone through this cycle of, you know, we got to rebuild. We got to get younger. We got to get more cost effective. And they never showed the discipline to do it. They have to this point. Let's see if it continues. I think it'll continue. But, you know, they see big names and boof. Bring that guy in. Bring that guy in. All right, They're on the street let, for a reason. Let's get, Jalen let's, Smith is especially. Let's get more specific about those two guys. Jalen Smith released by the Cowboys yesterday. We all watched the Eagles-Cowboys game, and Jalen Smith didn't make a whole hell of a lot of plays. I saw a great stat last night that they're giving up, like, more than a yard and a half per play when Jalen Smith is on the field as compared to when he's off the field for the Cowboys, and they've been slowly cutting his playing time back. They had an evaluation. He's just not the same player he used to be. We know the Eagles have a need at linebacker, or at least my eyes tell me that they do. Is Jalen Smith the answer? He is a guy who you could claim. I remember we talked uh, last week about uh, the linebacker was available, who you pointed out, John, was a vested veteran, so there was no claiming involved. If you wanted Jamie Collins, you just had to convince Jamie Collins for whatever price. Um, I don't think the Eagles or anyone else is going to actually claim uh, Jalen Smith. Do you? And if he gets to free agency, tell us why the Eagles shouldn't make a play for him, John, since their linebackers are playing as poorly as they are. No, I, I don't. Uh, I have to double check. I don't. Jeff probably knows. I think I challenge vested by this point. I think he came in, um, I don't know, 2017, maybe. I think it was 18. Uh, so he's you vested. become a vested veteran even while you're still on your rookie contract. Uh, he, he's, he's, I don't, he's not on his rookie deal. He signed a big, big money extension. 
Okay. Uh, All right. Um, but either way, yeah, I mean, it up to the trade deadline, vested veterans don't have to go through waivers. So they just hit the open market. And then after the trading deadline, they have to go through waivers. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's too expensive. Nobody's going to pick up that contract. The Cowboys have been trying to trade Jalen Smith really dating back to the summer and they haven't gotten any takers. Uh, I, you know, it's interesting because, yeah, you, you can make two arguments. Is he better than what the Eagles have? Yeah. I mean, yes. But, you know, his his real, his biggest weakness as a player is is probably stopping the run. Um, and that's what the Eagles want to improve. So this is probably just a more talented Eric Wilson. So I, I don't know. I, I think you're you're sort of swimming in the same pool and you're going to spend more money because I imagine, you know, he's not going to get near what what he has on his contract, but he's still going to generate some interest probably amongst contenders around the league. And I would say the same for Gilmore uh, to a greater extent. Um, I don't think the Eagles are ready for players like this. I think they got to stay disciplined. They can't. They can't go down that road. I don't, I don't think it helps them long-term. And this is about, to me, it's about, it should be about long-term more than short-term fixes. Yeah, speaking of Gilmore, and this more ties into Steve Nelson than anything else. I, I don't think Steve Nelson has been playing as poorly as everybody has portrayed him to be. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, John? No, I thought Steve has been pretty much fine until the Kansas City game. And again, I would, I would, I would encourage people to put the context of Kansas City in there. I, I mean, it is Kansas City. It is Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. I, I, I said, you know, the quickest fix for the Eagles is the simple reality that Patrick Mahomes is no longer on the schedule moving forward. You don't got to worry about it again. Now, if Sam Darnold does it, then you got a problem. And then I think it's fair to start uh, panicking uh, and, and, and doing some of these doom and gloom things. I, I, I saw somebody, I, I, Dave, you ran from KYW, and I'll give him credit. He found Jonathan Cannon's Wikipedia page. Somebody changed it already. Uh, it went nuts on that. I, I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. Look, I, I think they played poorly. You got to do better than they did. But I, it's not like this. they don't do this to other people. This is the best and most explosive offense in football that, oh, by the way, was probably coming in kind of angry because they were coming off a bad game. So I, 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 I just think there's such an overreaction. There always is, but certainly to, against the Kansas City Chiefs, yes, Stephen Nelson didn't play well against Tyreek Hill. I, you know, they joined the club. Hmm. That's a that's a big club. That's not an exclusive club. It really isn't. And Tyree Gill eats almost everybody for lunch. You are uh, 100% correct there. Uh, granted, I'm with you that I don't think Gilmore has a place here in Philadelphia. Not that he wouldn't upgrade the Eagles and make them a better defense. But um, if you've got your two starting cornerbacks, he's surely going to get starter money. Maybe not the money that he was scheduled to make this year as well, but I think there will be a team that's going to be willing to try and move some contract money around to be able to get uh, Gilmore in. Uh, so be very interested to see, see where he lands. 
but I don't think it's here in Philadelphia. Do you think he's still got game, John? He's had injury issues this year. I thought he was very good last year, not uh, as good as the year before when he was defense player of the year, but I still think he's got a lot of game left. Is he a guy who can land somewhere else and make a big difference with a team that has bigger needs for him than, say, the Eagles do? Yeah, I, I think he can still play whether, you know, I don't, I don't, with corners, it's, it's funny. We saw the same thing with Jalen Ramsey, who was, um, you know, considered to be, if not the best co- corner in the league, certainly amongst the top three or four in Jacksonville. And all of a sudden he had a bad year and things started to go negative. And, uh, you know, he turned it around uh, with, with the Rams. I think the same thing can happen uh, with Stephon Gilmore, but there's, there's another, I mean, I think from Gilmore's perspective, there's going to be a lot of interest when he gets healthy and he's only got a quad injury. So he should be back relatively soon, but um, I think there's going to be a lot of interest. I think there's so many teams that need corners in this league. And part of it's going to be from his perspective, he's going to want to go to, to a contender and he's going to have options to go to a contender. Yeah. I still think he's at worst, a top 20 corner in this league. Um, so I, I just, you know, you'd love to have him from a football perspective if you're the Eagles, but I, I don't know if he can get in that mix just from the standpoint if he's going to want to go to a contender. John, one of the things we talked about, I mean, we talked about in the preseason, I think you guys talked about this week was the schedule. And one of the things I looked at was, okay, maybe Carolina is a winnable game. Well, now they're 3-1. and one. Do you still view this as like a must-win game to get that 2-4 and four start we kind of talked about, or at the very least 2-4? and four? Yeah, I mean, Jody and I were talking about this yesterday. I guess it depends on your goals. If you're talking about uh, playoffs, yeah, I mean, this is pretty close to a, a obviously not mathematically, got to bring that out, uh, as a must-win game. But you never want to lose games in your conference. I said – to Jody, I mean, Kansas City, I mean, I, I, you never like to lose in this league, but who cares if you lose out of conference uh, and you're not going to be in the mix to be the number one seed. Ultimately, it's not going to hurt you when it comes to tiebreakers. But, I mean, I, I don't think this is a playoff team. I, I don't think they're going to push. I, I think Dallas is, you know, the whole theory about them potentially being a playoff team was the NFC's being terrible again which was a possibility, especially early in the season. It looks to me like Dallas is going to be a good team. Not a great team, but a good team. They're not going to be 500. They're not going to win the division in 8-9. and nine. So I, I don't think the Eagles are going to be in the mix to be a playoff team, a wild card. But you never know. I mean, the Bears got in last year. I think they were 8-8. Eight and eight. So you're probably – there's an extra wild card now uh so you're probably going to be at a 500 team and if if you're thinking playoffs you better win this game because you've already lost um you know you carolina will be one of those teams in the mix so if you're down there and you're both in that 500 range obviously you're going to lose the tiebreaker so you never want to lose uh in the conference and 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 the Eagles did it against San Francisco as well, who will be in the, the mix, probably in that wild card mix. So it's not good. JM knew uh, after he got off the air yesterday here on Birds 365, you were heading over to the Overcare Complex. 
because it was Coordinator Day, and you heard from both Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon. Uh, Gannathan, to use a, a Coach Iriani phrase, doubled down on we don't have a system, we don't play a specific way, we stay fluid, and we just want to put our players in the best position, play in and play out to make uh, good plays. Were you cool with his stance? Was it excuse-making sounding to you? What do you think of Gannon uh, when he got under the cleat like yesterday to face the media here in Philadelphia? Yeah, it didn't go over well, which, uh, you know, people are, again, overreacting. Um, no, I, I mean, I think he's telling the truth. The part I, I, you know, and it's very difficult for any coach is, you know, he's protecting his players, uh, and that's just what modern coaches do. They're never going to throw their players under the bus. They shouldn't throw their players under the bus, but some handle things, I think, a little bit better when it comes to um, towing the line and saying, look, we got to get better here. We got to get better here. We got to do this better. I think the Eagles coaches, and they're young and inexperienced, are, are, are having difficulty towing that line in a city where people expect you to hold players accountable. And that's one of Nick Sirianni's core values. So, um you know, he doesn't have a scheme. He's more multiple. I think it's interesting because Jody knows I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jim Schwartz guy. I'm also a Jonathan Cannon guy, though, so I like them both. Uh, but, you know, one of the criticisms Jim Schwartz had was that he wasn't multiple enough. Now they have somebody who's more multiple, and they don't like that. All they want is blitz and aggressiveness. Blitz, blitz, blitz. Go blitz Patrick Mahomes. Go. Go blitz Patrick Mahomes with Alex Singleton. I, I I don't know. It might work on Madden. I'm not a video game guy. It ain't going to work on the field. I can tell you that. So the Eagles game plan was uh, to, to force the Kansas City Chiefs to go the length of the field, uh, long drives, in an effort that something would happen, uh, a false start, a holding penalty. You know how this league is, over-legislated. To go 13 plays without making a mistake, in this league is really difficult, maybe more difficult than ever before. Uh, the thing the Chiefs do better than anybody else is, bang, 80 yards, Tyreek Hill. It's over. They're scored. Um, the Eagles did. They they carried out their plan for the most part. Long, lengthy drives, force them to go underneath till the very end. Um but they never, they were never able to make the play on the third down uh, to get off the field. The the few times they had Kansas City up against it, third and long, you know, you had a Josh Sweat offsides in one case. They they were the ones making the mistakes. I, I thought the plan was sound. I think that's what you should do against Kansas City. They just didn't execute the plan. John, one of the things I've been really concerned about this defense and you know we talk about the linebackers all the time but it's just the inability to stop the run at this point I, i'm not knocking clive edwards hilarious because he's really coming to his own but he had 100 yards she said 200 yards rushing in total it, it seems like this is just going to be a recurring trend for this team all year yeah i mean uh it, we, we eric wilson anybody you know who saw him play last year knows he was one of the worst run defenders in the league from the linebacker position um 
you know, it's not Alex Singleton is not this big Jeremiah Trotter type linebacker. Now, part of it is um, the modern NFL. You see what's going on in Dallas with Jalen Smith. Well, one of the reasons they're, they're cutting Jalen Smith is obviously Micah Parsons, but um, also they're playing Keanu Neal at linebacker and he's back. Jaron Curse, they're playing a lot at linebacker. These are former safeties, those hybrid players. So when the Eagles drafted Jacoby Stevens, a lot of the league is going this way. And I've been waiting for, I thought it would be Bill Belichick. I, I, I was waiting for opposing offensive coaches to say, okay, you're going to put a 220-pound guy at linebacker. I'm going to run the football. Right. I think you're starting to see that. And, yeah, that's a concern of mine because Andy Reid doesn't want to run the football. And he just said, well, I'm going to run the football because you guys can't stop it. At Dallas, it didn't concern me because Dallas wants to run the football, and that's part of their their philosophy. With Kansas City, it's more concerning because they don't even want to run it, and they ran it with ease. So that's a concern. Speaking of running the football, we've got the uh, Carolina Panthers coming up on Sunday. And although they did get beat last week, uh, Chuba Hubbard did make some hay in that backfield. Sam Darnold made some hay uh, with his legs running the football, specifically in the red zone. Is this another team that will take advantage of the fact that the Eagles just don't have tackling linebackers? Well, I think you have to at this point. It's on film. I think everybody's going to try, uh, and I think Christian McCaffrey's going to be back. So that's going to be a a really, really difficult. Uh, you know, that's that's arguably the the most well rounded running back in football. I mean, he runs he runs routes better than most receivers coming out of the backfield. So uh, he's always a tough matchup. Um, you know, a Chuba Hubbard, somebody like that, that shouldn't concern you, but anybody has to concern you uh, when you're the Philadelphia Eagles. I Look, at this point, I, I'm on record saying, I, I got to play TJ Edwards and see. Um, you're you're going to give up some coverage things, and um, but you're playing a lot of zone anyway. And then I, I don't know where he is health-wise, but I've been saying this as well. When he is healthy, if he is healthy, and he's playing limited on special teams, I'm throwing Davion Taylor out there. Why? Who cares? Why not? You know, let's see. At least he's got the physical skills um, from an athleticism standpoint to, to do some things. I, I do think they have to make a change at, at the linebacker position. And – I hate to pick on the guy, but it's got to be Wilson first. And then, to be honest, it's everybody loves Alex Singleton, but, I mean, it's just not working at this point. John, you and I kind of had the same opinion on the whole Darius Slay fiasco, which I thought was overblown to begin with. And I'm like, well, let's see his stats, because when I rewatch the game, I'm like, I don't think he played bad at all. And then, you know, it comes out, oh, okay, he was only targeted four times. And now, it, I guess this is a two-part question here. You know, what did you think of that? And two, do, do you really think, like, maybe this week the Eagles should kind of have him shadow DJ Moore a bit? 
Yeah, they did it a little bit against Hill, and it, I, I was surprised. That was one my one major criticism uh, of of Gannon uh, because they did it for a short time, and we were sitting in a press box, and I said, "Oh, Terrace is traveling now," um, and then they stopped, and it worked. I, you know, I don't know if it worked because, um. You know, it was just easier to throw against the other guys, which is a big part of it when you have the reputation of, of being a good corner. Uh, or they, in other words, they would have ultimately got to it, got back to Tyreek Hill. Um, or uh, it's probably a little bit of both is what I'm trying to say. But bottom line is he was successful for a short period of doing it against, you know, arguably the most explosive player in the game um yeah i mean if dj moore gets hot yeah i think you got to think about it and i think they got to do that more for a couple reasons one slay likes to do it and i think that's my other criticism of jonathan cannon i think some of these veteran players are starting to waver fletcher cox most notably and, and slay kind of publicly um and that, that, I've been talking about this all the time. Look, everything is is great when the games are either aren't being played or you're winning. So, you know, but when when you start to have some failure, and guys are going to look at young coaches and go, "Who the heck is this guy? What is what?" You know, I've been a five time All Pro, or I've been this, I've been that, I've had all this success. They're not using me correctly. I think we're starting, I'm not saying we're even down that slippery slope, but I think we're at the top of the hill and people are looking down. And if this continues to go in a negative fashion, particularly with people like Fletcher Cox and, and Darius Slay, and you saw some of that frustration from Slay coming out on, on social media, that's something to keep an eye on. Agreed. Um, again, I'm kind of beating up on Jonathan Gannon here, but uh, I was pretty disappointed by the way he handled himself yesterday. Uh, he was asked, uh, why don't you guys play more dime? Which means four uh, cornerbacks on the field. We know they're in nickel a lot because uh, that's basically their base defense with a minimum of three cornerbacks with Devontae Maddox on the field. Uh, haven't done much dime work so far this year. And he kind of gave an obstinate answer. of, Well, we're just not a dime team right now. When there was an obvious answer to give, are you watching us give up uh, yardage on the ground? <laughs> I know, you, I know. you want me to take a linebacker off the field and put on yeah. a secondary guy when we're getting gashed yeah. for 200 yards on the ground? I guess that would be throwing some of his players under the bus, but he just came off as a guy who didn't know what he was talking about. And I'm sorry, at the early stages of your career, when you're asked legitimate questions, you got to have legitimate answers. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, I agree with both of your your thoughts there, Jody. I, I think people one I, I defended Gannon on that because I think people took him out of context. Um, he said we're not a dime team, and he said for now, uh, which is an indication of exactly what you said. Um, you know, they need more linebackers on the field, not less linebackers. Uh, you could argue they should play more base uh, at this point uh, if they're going to play that much zone. 
so I agree with you there. And and then he should have, you know, handled it better. But I, I will say this guy played defensive back. His history is with, uh, you know, he's a secondary coach, corners coach. He knows, <laughs> like people are saying, he doesn't know what a dive defense. I'm like, come on, people. I mean, keep the criticisms legitimate. Um, but you're, you're right. He could have handled it better. Um but they need, they need more run support not on the field, not less. I, I think the question was about Kansas City because of, of them gashing and people think, I don't know if it's recency bias because Hill got them late deep. But again, overall, I think, and Jeff, you're a, you're a stats guy. I, I think they're still number one in the league in fewest uh, explosive passing plays allowed. Yep. I, I mean, they've been successful uh, uh, limiting explosive passing plays. Now, the, the, the other end of that sword is they're getting gassed in the running game. So if you're, if you're tops in the league and limiting explosive plays, why do you need more defensive backs on the field when you can't stop anybody running the football? I, I actually tried to <laughs> down that path by saying the explosive plays thing. Um, and he admitted, yeah, that's hurt us in the run support. So, you know, but people are going to take what they see and they don't like and blow it out of context. John, the one thing I looked for in Sunday's game, and I got the answer by the third quarter, was how Nick Sariani and how Jalen Hurts are going to respond. And if I had to, after the Dallas game, and if I had to grade them, I'd probably give them an A just based on the game plan and how Hurts adjusted, how Seriani adjusted. What were your thoughts on those two in Sunday's game? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought they played well offensively. I, I thought they got back to a lot of things. They did well in Atlanta. I thought that was positive. But then I'm going to say the same thing I said about the Eagles defense. I look at the opponent. It's the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. I mean, that defense is just terrible. It's terrible. It really is. Um so how much of it is a successful game plan playing well? How much is it just playing against a bad defense? Again, probably a little bit of both. I mean, I, I'm, I'm to the point where I can't consider Kansas City a legitimate Super Bowl contender with one of the best offenses I think I've ever seen uh, because the defense is that bad. And it's not like they need to get to top 10. They need to be just competent. And they're not competent. Now Frank Clark wasn't out there, but he he wasn't playing well when he when he when he was healthy. Um, they have issues on the back seven a lot, like the Eagles. They just don't have playmakers. Mathau has the big name, but uh, he's not playing well. Sorensen, I can't believe he's still playing, but he's still playing. Uh, I mean, they have corner issues. They they have issues all over the place, and. Uh, the Eagles took advantage of it, and they deserve credit for taking advantage of it. Um, I, I think it'll be a tougher test in Carolina. Not great, but they've been solid uh, defensively. Um, and it'll be uh, similar, this kind of similar process uh, as we go throughout the season. Um, but I, I do think when you look at what happened with Lane Johnson two hours before the game, 
could have been a disaster on the offensive line. I, I thought they had a, a good game plan to protect that offensive line, and they weren't an issue at all. I was going to say that I do consider Kansas City a Super Bowl contender. I think they can 40-point their way all the way back to the big game again. Yeah, they're going to have to, though. They're yeah, yeah that yeah, well, uh, whether you have to or whether well, you Well, the only, the only problem I have with that is look what happened last year. You run into one game, you have an injury on the offensive line, you have the quarterback stubbing his toe, and all of a sudden, you know, 40 becomes mortal. It's just tough to keep scoring 40 and 40. Also, 40. Uh, there's a team that they're playing this week that has a really, really, really good defense in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and, and again, it's about timing on that individual day. And obviously the timing wasn't good for Kansas City against uh, Tampa Bay. I think the Chiefs had the better football team if they were completely healthy, right. uh, but they weren't. And the quarterback wasn't healthy. And all of a sudden you lose in the big game. I just think, you know, everything's got to align correctly. Now, if, if, if they have just a, a, a mediocre defense, I don't think everything has to align correctly. I think they could do enough on the defensive side of the ball to help out. I, I don't know if they're capable of that right now. It's more difficult, but I really do think it's doable because they are just so scary on offense. All right, you mentioned uh, Lane Johnson and the fact that it was a late scratch last week. Uh, we were hoping for more information this week or at least the possibility of Lane Johnson returning for the Eagles this Saturday. Their bookend tackles, Mylata, uh, again, doing the math on whether they would or wouldn't put him on the IR, hoping that he comes back this week, laying on the other side. Any hints yesterday as to what the Eagles offensive line is going to look like come Sunday? Well, you know what it's going to look like uh, if, if uh, Lane is not able to play, and we'll know better if he's not at practice today i think that's going to be a clear indication this is going to be more than a one-week thing and certainly the way things shook out last week um wasn't an issue so they're not going to make any changes it's uh, uh with the exception of jordan mylotta we have to see health wise uh if jordan's back obviously if jordan is healthy he's going to play a left tackle uh but everybody else dickerson and left guard her big right guard Driscoll right tackle that'll that'll be the way they go it's interesting because they didn't put Jordan on injured reserve so if you're on IR that means you're going to miss three games he's already missed two games in theory they thought he should be back by this game so we'll see that's something to keep an eye on uh, John what the left side of the offensive line I, I mean Land Dickerson has his issues no doubt but I thought he played a little bit better on Sunday. I think Andre Dillard's been playing pretty well, uh, you know, for my expectations over the last uh, two games or so. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two? Yeah, I, I thought Landon was a lot better on the left side. He's more comfortable there. That's more natural for him. He's played more on, on that side. I think he's been really good as I watch as a run blocker, still struggling a little bit as, as a pass blocker. Uh, but the Eagles run so many RPOs, a lot of it is just just run blocking. Uh, and I thought he played a lot better. Uh, so that was really positive. I think Andre's been good. Um, it, the problem is, and I talked about this with Jody earlier in the week, is that, you know, he's gotten kind of lucky, to be honest, his first two games, in that 
Demarcus Lawrence wasn't available for the Cowboys, and they would have flipped sides with him. Um, and and Frank Clark wasn't available for the Chiefs. Um, so he he's gotten a couple breaks, but I I think you're right, Jeff. I think he's played well. People look at the penalties. Nick Sirianni absolved him of those. Those were not his fault, the illegal downfield penalties. That's the football not coming out on time on an RPO. Uh, he's doing what he's supposed to do. Um, so overall, I think he's played pretty well. And that helps the Eagles because so many teams need offensive linemen. We talk about this all the time. And trade deadline's coming up November, I think, 2nd. All of a sudden, you know, you build this guy's confidence back up you show teams around the league you can play a little bit and and maybe you get a, a mid-round pick for him and and you you get something back in return uh because long term they the eagles have made their decision it's going to be jordan mylotta so i uh, i think it's been really helpful not only for andre but for the organization he's played he's played pretty well john last thing and then we'll let you go get tested um I know your guys' job is just that much more difficult these days because you don't have access to the players. You should be able to go into the locker room if you want to hit a specific player with a specific question for a specific story. You couldn't. You don't have the capabilities of doing that. So you got to try and get your information other ways. And I thought maybe Gannon could be a source to try and find Ryan Kerrigan, whether the thumb <laughs> is still an issue, whether he can make plays, whether he's trying to fight through it because he sure as hell isn't producing when he's getting his snaps in game. I want to know because I thought it was a good signing and said, so we are on birds 365 said that's a good move by Howie Roseman. And to this point, he's done zippity doodah. There is a guess an explanation because of the thumb injury that he had, but um, nobody is giving us any inside information or insight as to why Brian Kerrigan all of a sudden looks like he shouldn't be getting any snaps for the Philadelphia Eagles. When are we going to find out what the deal with Ryan Kerrigan is? Yeah, we we talked to Ryan. Uh, I mentioned that he's admitted the thumb is an issue. Uh, he can't grab, um, can't really, um, you know, hand placement, hand use is, is very big for defensive linemen. Uh, so that's part of it. Um, and then I said on the show that I, I don't think Gannon has been using him correctly. I've seen way too much five technique for Ryan Kerrigan. I should have put him in that category of Slay and Cox as veteran players who maybe aren't being used like they want to be used. I think that's part of it. And then, yeah, you have to, that's the part nobody can, I don't even think Ryan Kerrigan knows. I mean, he might just be physically done uh, and he's just not the player. It happens quickly in this league. Um, you know, we just talked about two big-name players getting cut in the, in the middle of the season. And I think I mentioned that to you earlier this week, Jody. I mean, people think people live in a stasis in the NFL. Because you were a star once doesn't mean you're a star in perpetuity. And Ryan Kerrigan was a great pass rusher in this league yep. for a very long time. But the buyer beware on this is always – nobody knows better than Washington. And they said, all right, you're – we're fine. Go move on to a division rival. Maybe we should have paid more attention to that. Um, similar with the buyer beware on Jalen Smith. Well, if the Cowboys thought he could play, 
he, he'd be on the Cowboys still. Um, so uh, I think you got to be wary of stuff like that. And yeah, he might be at the end of the road. Might the, be. It's a fair question to ask. The thing that I would have asked if I were Harry Roseman of myself was not so much the fact that the Redskins decided to move away from him because they had young guys who st- jumped but up. I say Redskins, they, I got to say Washington. Oh, shoot, the Washington team. football team. Yeah, you and I both. <laughs> uh, apologies. We'll both put a dollar in the tip yeah. jar. Um, yes, uh, they've got a better read on him probably than anybody else. They've got him every day. They've got film on him. Uh, it does make sense. But any one team can make a mistake. Yeah. Ryan yeah. Kerrigan signed for a what I thought was a below market value amount, which means it wasn't just one team who didn't think he was as good as he used to be. It was basically the other 30 teams in the National Football League with the Washington football team included that said, yeah, we're not going to pay this guy. We just and, don't think he has it anymore. In turn, Washington may miss Ryan Kerrigan because their pass rush has taken a massive hit since he left. Yeah, that's true. Uh, they haven't been uh, uh, generating much, but I don't think the Ryan Kerrigan here couldn't help them much. No, no. But they've been a they've been a disappointment, especially considering uh, the talent they have on the edges. They should be generating a little bit more pressure. But I, I mean, yeah, at some point, I think the bigger issue, and Jody mentioned. Look, from a contract standpoint, there's two sides to that. The Eagles didn't invest much, so they can move on pretty, you know, no pain whatsoever. And they got to make a decision. Is it worth putting him out there if he's not producing? Or, you know, maybe you can get uh, Teron Jackson some extra reps, uh, Milton Williams some extra reps, and get those guys uh, up to speed a little bit more quickly, get those startup costs out of the way, uh, get them more comfortable playing in the NFL. So I think that's the bigger decision uh, for the Eagles. And I, I would probably, where this team is right now, I would probably always lean youth, always. I mean, that's where they are. I want to develop the young guys. And we'll see if uh, that is something that comes into fruition over the next couple of weeks. J.M., no, you got to run. Uh, may you pass your test. Thanks for hopping on with us, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. John McMullen, usual co-host here on Birds 365, doing the guest thing because he's got to do COVID testing today for the upcoming road trip uh, going down to Carolina to watch the Eagles take on the Panthers. All right, we'll come back, talk more about the Eagles and their matchup with the Panthers. I got Jeff Kerr by my side today. Uh, second hour, we'll have Clark Judge, who has been on the show before, uh, National Football League writer, uh, does a great job, uh, host on Talk of Fame We'll get Clark Judge up here in hour number two. Jody McDonald, Jeff Kerr coming back here on Birds 365 next. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. 
so good it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at MessaLaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. You've got to tune to Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Joe to McDonald with Jeff Kerr today. He's filling in for uh, Johnny Mac, who just uh, checked out after doing a guest spot at the top of the show. We got uh, plenty of birds and panthers we can still sink our teeth into. Uh, but, Jeff, I do want to ask you to expand a little bit on the Stephen Gilmore release, which comes as a uh, bit of a surprise. I'll be honest, yesterday when Jalen uh, Smith was released by the Cowboys, I was not all that shocked. He has not played that well. And I know he's a big name because he was a – uh, supposed high first-round draft pick who got injured and Cowboys took the chance in the second round. And uh, for one season, he looked like he could be that uh, Pro Bowl level, all-pro level linebacker. But he started to drop off production-wise last year and wasn't playing all that well the first four games this year. So I wasn't really surprised by that. I was surprised by this Gilmore thing for two reasons. Number one, I still think he's a top cornerback in the league. Number one cornerback in the league? Yeah, maybe not. Um, his production certainly came down last year from the season before when he was the defensive player of the year. He was arguably the best defensive player in the whole league. That's a pretty high lofty status and bar to set. So there was only room to come one way, and that was down. But I still think, and I haven't seen him play during the regular season, but when he gets back, I think he's still going to be a very good player. But he, the thing that surprised me about it was that the New England Patriots did that now. When we're reading reports that they're thinking about bringing back Jamie Collins, who's a 32-year-old linebacker, for his third term with the New England Patriots, well, which is it? Are the Patriots a team that's trying to compete this year? Or are they a team that's looking to continue to evaluate young talent? Because I'm putting Stephon Gilmore back out there on the field when he's capable of playing. If I'm trying to win games, the Patriots choose not to. Why, to clear up cap space to sign 32-year-old Jamie Collins? 
I'm not sure I get what the New England Patriots are attempting to accomplish here. Do you get it, Jeff? I think it's more of their contract talks stalling with Gilmore this offseason than anything because Gilmore won the new deal. He wanted to get paid, like, you know, more like hired Darius Slay and guys like that. He wanted to get paid like he was the defensive player of the year in the National Football League. And Patriots said, oh, hold on a second. We did pay you already. And, you know, yeah, we'll work something out here. We can restructure your deal, but we're not just going to give you a new deal now. You're on the north side of 30. And I think what happened was – it just kind of stalled. And I think they looked at it as, well, what can we possibly get for Stefan Gilmore at this point? Because he is battling a quad injury. He's not the same player he was two years. I mean, this was two years ago. They wanted to train. They could have got probably two first-round picks for the guy. If we want to be honest. That's just how good he was. He, even last year, I, you know, I remember people were like, well, you know, when the Eagles needed Steve Nelson. I, I shouldn't even say last year, this year. Uh, you know, before the Eagles got Steve Nelson, they're like, okay, so what would they get Stefan Gilmore? I'm like, Second, you know, would the Eagles really want to give that up? Um, you know, rebuilding teams, probably not. So I'm looking at it as okay, you know, I just think it, it reached the boiling point. I just think Patriots moved on. And again, I don't think the Patriots are gonna be that good this year. Um, you know, they they threw the kitchen sink at Tom Brady and they still lost. And the AFC East is not good. Uh Buffalo's gonna win that division. Very handily, obviously, with Miami being bad and Jets are rebuilding. And, you know, the Patriots are kind of stuck in the middle there. And I, I, I don't know. Yeah, the Jamie Collins thing, I don't get it at all. Like, I, I get you want to bring a, back a guy that's familiar with the system. And they aren't that strong at linebacker. So that can help them. But I just think the Gilmore thing has a stalemate. And let's be honest, Jody. You know, at CBS, we're going to write five laying spots for Gilmore this morning. I don't know why we're doing this because I keep joking. Tampa, 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 Tampa. Understood. And Brady's going to reach out to one of his former teammates. You think they wish it was like uh, the Patriots? And, and oh, by the way, the Patriots may very well have figured that out and said, even though he's not playing for us, oh, we'll wait till after the Tampa game to release Stefan Gilmore because the Bucks got a little antsy and reached out inside Richard Sherman, who I don't know what he's got left in his tank and he brings a whole lot of baggage down into Tampa. Maybe he can still play, but there, there are issues. I think they much would have preferred getting something done with a release on Gilmore than bringing in Richard Sermon. Uh, and, yeah, they did bring him in, and he's now a week into their system. Yeah, Gilmore makes a lot of sense for New England, but uh, are they going to get to a point where they've got uh, – it makes a lot of sense for Tampa, excuse me. Are they going to get to a point where they have too many cornerbacks? It could be that situation, but, you know, how long is Carlton Davis going to be out? You know, uh, they lost Sean Murphy bunting for a little bit. I just think they're desperate right now and they need players because they're going for home field advantage in the NFC playoffs. They're one of those contenders, but you got a team like the Cardinals who's four and right now, Ooh, by the way, is de their defense is pretty good. I was one of the guys, the pronosticators in the preseason say, Hey, watch out for the Cardinals defense. They're going to be a lot better this year. Well, they have number one offense and number nine ranked defense or four and So they're going to be in the mix. Green Bay is three and one right now. Um, you know, the Rams are pretty good. Oh, by the way, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And one of the reasons they beat them was because the Bucs are, they don't have a lot of corners. So I think, you know, Tampa's going to get a little desperate here. And I know they won Super Bowl as a wild card last year and playing all their games on the road, but that is not the easy way to do things. And last year was different because there were no fans. This year, it's going to be a little harder. So I think Tampa's looking at, okay, we need to get 
12, 13 wins in here, and how are we going to do that? Well, what's our weakness? Cornerback. Well, I think that's why they brought Richard Sherman. I think that they're giving them a shot. And either way, like if Sherman's a valuable backup to them, so be it. But they are just so beat up at that position right now that I, I think they seriously consider bringing in a Stephon Gilmore. And I think Gilmore, you know, the feeling's mutual because guys like that, they want an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Tampa gives them that. Understood. And uh, if uh, New England makes a, a fair offer, I think he's going to jump at it to go join his buddy Tom because he is the Pied Piper. You got to give Brady that much credit. He, he can talk guys into joining forces with him where he shows up. Uh, so I think Gilmore is that type of player. You don't think there's going to be a team that's willing to redo the contract and give him the big upfront bonus money, do you? This is going to be a make-good contract for the end of the year and then hit the free agency at the end of this season when teams have more cap flexibility, right? I don't think so. I mean, it, I would take a gamble on it, but I, I think, you know, here's the thing. I kind of look at it, and again, I, I don't want to compare fantasy football to real football here, but in a way you do. Like, do you really let this guy clear waivers? Because anybody could claim him then. And yeah, I don't think, you know, you're going to get a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to claim Stephon Gilmore, but you never know, but if you're one of the good teams. I think you got to put in a claim for him. I think you can't see Chiefs got to put in a claim for him because guess what? You're in front of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the waiver order. You're in front of a lot of teams in the waiver order right now. But so, hold on, let me ask you because I, according to John, I've made this mistake a couple times over the last few weeks. Is he a vested veteran? It, does he even yeah. go through the waiver claim? Uh, because he's a vested veteran, or does he go immediately to free agency? Yeah, you know what? You're right. Yeah, he is a vested veteran. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. You know what? I'm thinking. I was thinking Jalen Smith for a second. I don't even think he's a vested veteran either. So I gotta look that. I gotta look that up somewhere. Again, you know, this stuff just broke. And you know. yeah, I think I think Jalen Smith. I'm not sure about this. John thinks it's his second contract. I still think he's on his working. Yeah, contract. I gotta look that up. It's right, but I'm I'm sure that. Uh, uh, Gilmore is on his second, so yes, he well, Gilmore's definitely on his second because he was right. on. He's going to free agency. There's, yeah. there's no uh, claiming him. But the question is, do you want to try and get a deal done with his agent that he's going to? That's going to go multiple years. It's going to go into next year. Give him a big signing bonus right off the bat. Plans for him to be in your secondary for years to come. Um, that's what he wanted. That's what he wanted out of New England was another new redo to his contract. Now any team can do that with him, but do you want to do that? Or you just want to pay him for whatever he's going to make the rest of the year prorated over how many games and then let him hit free agency next year. The upside dating free agency during an off season is teams have more cap flexibility right now. Teams would have to redo a lot of deal. If you wanted to bring Stefan Gilmore in and try and sign him to a contract that was multiple years, Oh, you'd have to sit down with two or three of your uh, biggest contract guys and go, yeah, we want to move some money around because we got to create space this year and we'll give you a upfront signing bonus money, but you got to agree to add on the uh, avoidable years on the back end of deals. It's a lot more difficult to get a full-term deal done for a, a guy who just pops into free agency unexpectedly in season than it is to do something during the offseason. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with what you mean now. So I would look at it this way. If I want to bring Stephon Gilmore in. And again, this may be what the player's telling his agent too. You know what? I'll take a one-year deal. You know, I'll take a one-year deal. We'll play out the year. 
And then I want to test free agency again and see how much money I could get and prove how good I am again. And then we'll open up the bidding. And I, you know, honestly, that's players bang on themselves. And I love when they do that because I got like Stephon Gilmore because that's how you get on a Super Bowl contender. Say Tampa, say Kansas City, maybe Buffalo. I doubt he would ever go back to Buffalo, but you, you never know. So, you know, you get in that situation, you're going to get into a situation where you play. Tampa, Kansas City, and then you look at it as, okay, what do I need to do here? Well, if I play well and this team goes deep, then I hit free agency again. And then you hit free agency again. Then all of a sudden the, the multi-year, $20 million per year deal opens up, and it could be two, three years. Now, could they sign him to a multi-year deal now? Yeah, they could, but I, I kind of agree with you, Jody. I think it's too messy. I think you got to clear the cap space. I think for a player like Gilmore, I think he'll take a one-year upfront contract. You know, not a lot of bonuses, just get the guarantee money, and they kind of roll with it. And a Super Bowl team with some cap space, I think they would do that with him. Let me ask you a question. I ran this by John yesterday. Uh, Liam Jenkins, the guy who writes for a local Philly website, uh, Philly Sports Network. Uh, I think he's a pretty good writer, as a matter of fact. Uh, ran a, Wrote a somewhat provocative column yesterday about are we seeing the passing of the torch at Eagle running back? Uh, we know that coming into the season, Miles Sanders was their number one guy. The question was, how much of a shared position is it going to be? The Eagles aren't a bell cow back type team, and we didn't know if they were, were or weren't going to be under their new head coach and his scheme when we found out four weeks in. That's not the case. What we found out is they're a two-back team. Some teams are three-back teams. Some are four-back teams. Some are one back and, yeah, we'll hand off a couple of times just to give them a blow and get them off the field type teams. There's a lot of different ways you can dis disperse your running back activity in the league. I think we've got a pretty good read on what the Eagles are. But this past week was the first week that uh, Gamewell actually outperformed Miles Sanders. And that was including the previous week when what Eagle running backs performed? Nobody, because they didn't hand off the ball. They just threw it down the field all week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, Kenny Gainwell had a good game last week, and Miles wasn't as effective as he was the first couple of weeks of the season. Could we actually see Gainwell become the number one back on this team? I was thinking the same thing Liam kind of was, you know, just when I was collecting some thoughts about the Eagles. And you know what? I can see it, honestly. Like, I don't think they should give up a Miles Sanders too easily here, but I keep saying to myself, you know what? I know the GM drafted him but the coach didn't, the coach didn't really have an input in them. And sometimes, you know, you have guys that fall out of favor in your offense for whatever reason, even though they're talented and Miles Sanders in third year of four year rookie contract, and there's no fifth year option with him. So you either extend him after this season, if you want, or you let this guy walk and, or you trade him. And I mean, it's looking like, you know, they really like Kenny Gainwell. And again, this was, 
It was really weird. Kenny Gainwell was a fifth round pick in the year where I felt a lot of guys, especially after the fourth round, would have been undrafted free agents. But when the Eagles read the Gainwell, I, I actually said to myself, I thought he was drafted already. Like, but I guess because he sat out the year last year and people just kind of forgot about him. And you know, Kenny Gainwell was a baller at Memphis. And I looked at it as okay, this is gonna be a really nice number two for them and for a ceiling for this year. Well, he was number two to start the year, and now he looks like He's just an explosive back. You know, Nick Sirianni uses him in the red zone, and he scores a touchdown. And, you know, I I criticized Nick Sirianni the first week because he used Gamewell in the red zone, and it didn't work, and I thought he should use Miles Sanders. Well, Gamewell might be the best red zone back, and he just provides a spark to this offense they need. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw later in the year it would be Kenny Gamewell over Miles Sanders. And I know Miles Sanders is playing for the ball. He's doing all the right things. You know, he – when he gets his opportunities, he seems to take advantage of them, but he's just not getting the ball, and Kenny Gainwell is. So you have to wonder, maybe they're doing this because it's a 17-game season and they want to keep Sanders' legs fresh. I don't know, but it's definitely something to ponder going forward. So I think Liam's a little spot on right there. Interesting slant that you put on it that uh, you think uh, the timing of the acquisition of both players – might have something to do with it. Yes, Howie Roseman drafted both of them. He surely drafted Miles Sanders, and that was before uh, the present coach, Nick Sirianni, was here. Yeah, I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall at the Eagles draft this year. I truly don't know, and no one's reported on Nobody's even speculated on how much input the new coaching staff had in this year's draft. If I were a speculating man or a gambling man, a betting man, I would say not a whole hell of a lot. I think Howie Roseman uh, ran that draft. And, uh, yes, Sirianni, we saw the cutaway video that they allowed out, and it seemed like he was somewhat engaged. But I don't think he was really calling too many shots. Uh, So I don't know if that will affect the way the Eagles look at it. But now you're back to, again, how much is the front office dictating on a game-in, game-out, if not down-in, down-out participation of the players and how much latitude does the coaching staff have? You got to give it a game. Well, he has played pretty damn well so far. All right, he's Jeff Carr. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your birds. Three sixty-five guys. Come back. Talk a little bit more about the matchup between the Eagles and the Panthers coming up on Sunday, and then we're hoping to hear from Clark Judge, Talk of Fame uh, host and uh, writer, will join us in our second hour here today on Birds Three Sixty-Five. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, you got me, Jody Mack, with Jeff Kerr. Hoping to get uh, Buddy Clark Judge from Talk of Fame up here uh, some point in hour number two, which we've gotten underway uh, here on Birds 365. All right, uh, one other NFL overall uh, situation I want to get with you, JK, and then we'll jump back headfirst into the Birds and their showdown game against the Panthers on Sunday. Urban Meyer, you and I had a chance to talk about it for a millisecond before the show started, and it's a story CBS has asked you to keep your eye on in case there's any breaking news. I don't think there's going to be, because if Shad Khan was going to fire him, I think he would have done so uh, already, be it either late Monday and or uh, sometime yesterday. Uh, we've gotten to the point where it looks like they're going to try and work through it. Uh, there was one thing that came out yesterday that kind of stuck in my core, and I'll see if you feel the same that I do. Uh, Urban Meyer is doing the best damage control that he possibly can. Uh, anybody would. If you and I were in that same situation, we'd do the same exact thing if we wanted to keep our job and uh, we knew that there was some mea culpas that had to come. Uh, he has done a pretty good job at that, but he did say it's kind of up to the players. Really? Yeah. You you make this mistake as a 50-some-odd-year-old married guy, and you're going to turn around and put it on the players? It's actually not a dumb thing to do. It's probably a pretty smart thing to do. But I just think it's a really weak thing to do. Because what are we talking about here? NFL players, uh, somewhere between the age of, 22 and 29. Yeah, some of them might be upwards of 30. The Jags are a rebuilding team, so they don't have many veterans who have been around the league 14 years or are still on the roster of that squad. So it's all 20-somethings. Most of them still single men. A couple of them may be already married. His quarterback is one that's already married. Uh, but most of them are going to go, yeah, he's, he's getting his coach on. Good for him. Yeah, that's a pretty good-looking babe. He's, yeah. I don't think any of the coaches are going to look down, any of the players are going to look down their nose at Coach Meyer because of his activity. Um, but still, do you want to do that? You're 0-4, and now you're putting the players in a position where they need to be a judge of their coach? Was that a smart thing for him to do or a really questionable thing for him to do, Jeff? 
Uh, I think it's questionable, honestly. Okay. You know, if you're a player, you know, you're told all the time, look, don't put yourself in front of the team. You know, don't be a distraction. But yet your leader of your locker room is a distraction. He, he distract. he is the, look, I don't understand Jacksonville at all. Like I didn't get the hire to begin with. I gave him a chance and I've talked to players on Jacksonville. Look, if you would ask me in April or May, they were bought in. I'm really curious to hear them now because you're 0-4, like you said, Jody. You just got off a tough ball. And look, they've been playing better as a team. Like, I don't think they're as bad as the record indicates. Maybe that's because of the quarterback. Maybe that's because of the system. The scheme. I, I, you know, their defense still needs some work. But your head coach, every week, he seems to find his way into trouble, no, no matter what it is. And it frustrates me that he didn't go home with them. He didn't go back to Jacksonville with them. Who what coach does that? I've never heard that before. Like, he goes back. He stays in Ohio, and they go back? Like, what was this like spring break for Urban? Like I, I, I just don't get it sometimes. And you know, part of me keeps telling myself this guy might want to get fired because if he's not in the NFL anymore, some job in Southern California is pretty appealing right now. Mm. Uh, so you think he's jumping back into the college ranks? Um, maybe he always seems to and- come back, Jody. And, oh, by the way, it, it wouldn't be like the first time Urban has done this because he has been a guy, little Larry Brownish, vagabondish, always looking for the next job, even when he's been in a job that he's in for about 20 minutes. That's how long he's been the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that's that's not a bad conspiracy theorist road to go down. I give you credit for that, Kerr. Um, here's where I thought there was a chance that this Jacksonville thing could implode. I'm a fan of Urban Meyer, the coach. He has done what he's done, moving from uh, university to university, upgrading it as soon as he gets on campus. He's a hell of a recruiter. I think he's smart enough to uh, put smart people around him, putting together staffs. Not always good guys, but smart football guys, and he wins wherever he goes. So I understood why Jacksonville was willing uh, to do something a little out of the box and bring him to the NFL for the first time. But as soon as he got there, within, I think it was weeks, certainly months, Days. <laughs> guys started to just either get run out of town on their executive staffs or quit because they didn't like the direction things were going. It seems to me, without being a guy in Jacksonville who's there every single day with sources, as Urban came in and just took over the entire organization, and said, no, if you're hiring me, you're hiring me. And, oh, by the way, like a college football coach, oh, I control everything. I am the man. Anything that goes down with this organization goes through me. So if I don't like a guy, we're going another direction. you got to give me carte blanche power to be able to do whatever I wanted. Urban was 0-0 zero and zero in the NFL when he came in and took that job. He never coached a day in the league. He had no resume and or gravitas to be able to do that. And I think Jacksonville gave him that kind of power, and now it's coming back to bite him in the back end big side. Yeah, it was definitely one of those, like, let's make the most public hire, get notoriety we can. And, look, I give him credit. They convinced Urban Meyer to come to the NFL. But, yeah, I forget the name of the Iowa coach, the former Iowa coach who had that issue, um, you know, with the players. Um, 
all the couple things he did, but Urban hired him and like had to get rid of him like a day later because people like me are smart enough to wait a minute, wasn't that the guy that just got fired, you know, for controversial issues off the field and in the locker room and you know, that was the first start and I'm like, okay, yeah, it's 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 a lapse of judgment, no doubt, but it just seemed the snowball from there. It's just stuff he's been doing and yeah, you're right, Joe. It just seems like he got too much power too quick. And it, it is coming back to bite him in a bit because now it's, you know, questionable stuff he's doing and how he was using Trevor Lawrence in the preseason, how he wasn't using him and how they throw the ball from him too much. How James Robinson is their best offensive player. And it took Urban Meyer like three games to realize that. Like, oh, by the way, this guy is good. Yet I draped their running back in the first round. I didn't really need to. So, again, it's – I don't know if Urban's going to last a year or not there. I kind of want this to work out, but I also know how this ends up. When you hire these college coaches with zero NFL experience, and you hit the nail on the head, Jerry, zero. You know, it doesn't work out well. Ask Chip Kelly how – and Chip Kelly was actually more of the one of the more successful ones. I mean, that's – but – you know, people were like, oh, Matt Rowland, no, yeah, he did. He worked a year with the Giants. He was in the NFL. And, you know, they, they like to mention Cliff Kingsbury. You know, yeah, he did. He played. He has NFL experience. Um, so who's the other one that everybody – oh, yeah, for some reason, this is why I love social media. Is we were like, Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll. I'm like, Pete Carroll coached in the NFL, like, before he came back to the NFL. Right. It's one of those things where, I don't know, the whole zero NFL experience like Urban, Chip, I mean, Bobby Petrino, that, that was a disaster. It, it just it just doesn't work out. And, you know, I thought maybe he'd have a shot because he'd have the number one pick and he had all this draft capital. But it seems like if the Urban Meyer experiment fails in Jacksonville, it's on Urban not being able to behave himself more than anything else. Yeah, that's the turn that it's taken here in the last 72 hours. And you're right about Peacock. Not one. He was head coach of two NFL teams before he went back to USC. Uh, he's another one of those rough salt in the wound guys with the Jets. He was the coach of the Jets for a short period of time before he went on to much more success elsewhere. But that's the one of being Kotite, a Jet fan. Right? Excuse me? Was he before Kotite? Um, before Kotite, right after Kotite. Whatever it was, before it went to uh, New England, uh, they, they did the we'll take the Jet coach thing again. Um, and then he went USC, and now he's doing what he's doing in Seattle. Yeah, Pete Co- uh, Carroll has proven to be a very good coach. He just didn't know it when he was the Jet coach, which, uh, again, I don't want to go down that road. I uh, Here's a road I do want to go down with you. Eagles and Panthers coming up on Sunday. Um, I was shocked to hear this stat over the weekend. I didn't – you didn't know it was going to happen, and what happened, it just took me completely by surprise. Um, Sam Darnold rushed for two touchdowns in the Panthers' loss against the Cowboys on Sunday, and he became the first quarterback in the history of the National Football League to have five rushing touchdowns in his team's first four games. I can't believe that Michael Vick never did that. I can't believe that Steve Young never did that. We've had some pretty good running I can't believe Lamar Jackson has never done that. Sam Darnold is the first one to ever do it. Five rushing touchdowns in a team's first four games in the season. And I watched Sam make a couple plays with his legs when he was the Jets quarterback, uh, not to the extent that he's doing this year with Carolina. It's the first quarterback 
that the Jets, the, excuse me, the Eagles really need to be wary of this season because the guys that they've played are not quarterbacks that pull the ball down and run. Mahomes could if he wanted to. He doesn't. He'd rather just continue to make havoc in the backfield and find a funky sidearm way to throw the ball downfield than actually take off and run with it. Yeah, Matt Ryan wasn't going to do any of that. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't going to do any of that. So they haven't really faced a true running quarterback so far this year. We know they've had problems stopping the run. I assume they'll have problems stopping the run, even if he's a quarterback. How how much of a task is that this week for the Birds to make sure Sam Darnold doesn't get six and or seven running touchdowns in his first five games of the year for the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to say this too, Jody. They weren't gimmies here. They weren't like the Tom Brady ones at the one yard line. He just puts the ball over. No, he he's running for touchdowns. And I got to give credit to Joe Brady here. Uh, Joe Brady really knows how to scheme up for a quarterback. And I think they were hoping this with Teddy Bridgewater last year. And he just didn't have the mobility or, you know, whatever it was, but Sam Darnold's got some wheels on him. I mean, you remember the 40-yard touchdown run he had last year, Jody, for the Jets against yeah. Denver. And, yeah, that was a pretty decent Denver defense he did that off of. But, you know, I digress here. But, yeah, it's you got to give a lot of credit to Joe Brady with this. And Joe Brady just knows how to scheme up his quarterbacks. And what he does well is, from Carolina games I watched, and I was really watched this team on Thursday Night Football a couple weeks ago. I know it was only Houston, but the way they set up their linemen, and the way they have their linemen blocked and a lot of the pools and stuff, it opens up a lot of lanes, not just for the running back, but for the quarterback to take off if they're doing like a quick pass or an RPO or something. There's a lane there. And Darnold, he's quick. Uh, you know, he's thinking to himself, well, you know, why go for a four-yard pass when I can get an eight-yard run? And that's what he does. And they really know to do that well in the red zone. So it is a concern. Uh, you know, you have to watch out for this guy. Honestly, there are – there are two guys I'm really watching this week, Sam Darnold and DJ Moore. Those two have an excellent uh, repertoire going on right now. And, you know, they got back in the game against Dallas because Darnold was able to just sling the ball downfield to Moore, and Moore was able to beat that secondary. And Moore's just like Tyreek Hill. You know, it's he's not as small as him. Obviously, he's a little bit bigger, but he's quick at the acceleration point, runs routes really well. And after the catch, he's just phenomenal. And uh, those are the two I'm watching this weekend. J.K. flip side a little bit. Eagles uh, with the ball offensively against the Panthers defense. Prior to last week's uh, beatdown at the hands of the Cowboys, so that's what the Eagles and the Panthers have in common. The Cowboys moved the ball against both of those teams pretty efficiently and successfully. The Panthers had one of the best defenses in the NFL. The comparison between the Panthers and the Eagles uh, are, are actually pretty stark. The Eagles had a good statistical defense for the first two weeks of the season. Then they went into Dallas and got gashed. The Panthers had a pretty damn good statistical defense for the first three weeks. Then they went up against the Cowboys and got gashed. So there's a certain uh, major league comparison between the Eagles and the Panthers. But it's the Eagles offense that's going to be going up against the Panthers defense. And the Eagles haven't run the ball all that effectively uh, basically any week this year, but some less than others three brushing attempts. You know what I'm talking about. Um, can the Eagles get back to running the football this week? Because the Cowboys ran it really effectively. And I know the Cowboys are good at it. They've got good backs. Their offensive line um, isn't what it used to be, but still pretty damn good. One of the better ones in the National Football League. Can this be a week where the Eagles dedicate themselves to the run, 
with a somewhat patchwork offensive line. I think that'll have something to do with it, whether my lot is back, whether Lane Johnson's back. But they did a good job last week in all facets of the game. The fill-in offensive line, I thought, pass block well enough and run block well enough. Can this be a week where the Eagles say, yeah, we're targeting the other team's weakness, and we think that's the running game and we're going to go after them? Can that happen this week? I think it should happen. Uh, whether it does happen or not is another story. It's you know, We just talked about this earlier. Miles Sanders, they just don't give him the football. And – they should. You have three carries, what, two No, two carries against Dallas, seven against um, Kansas City. And look, I, I, I know the situation was a little different, obviously, with those two weeks. But still, this is a game where I think it's going to be neck and neck for a while. And I think this is how you test a, a good Carolina defense. You run the football and you control time possession a bit. You wear them down. And if you got to split those touches between Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell to run the ball, then so be it. But this is a week. I definitely agree. I think you need to run the ball a little bit more. And here's the problem, though. I see a secondary with no J.C. Horn. I know Jeremy Jenkins ball, but they were very vulnerable about J.C. Horn last week. That was a team that they were after. They were seriously going after Richard Sherman. You know, from a couple of my friends in Charlotte were telling me that. Look, look, they needed a guy like that. And I wouldn't be shocked if they won. They went after a guy like Stephon Gilmore, too, because I don't know if J.C. Horn's going to be back this year. So, you know, if Nick threw the ball – 30 to 40 times a game, knowing, and he, I think he kind of knows if his quarterback can do it. I know Eagles fans don't like to hear that, but Jalen Hurts looks like a guy who can do that if you need him to. And that's something to exploit as well. So I think they should run the ball. I think they should wear down this defense early. I just don't think they're going to because of a mismatch there in Carolina secondary. The horn loss was a pretty big one for Carolina. You are correct. And I'm sure they'll jump into the Stefan Gilmore conversation. Uh, I'm not sure that despite the fact that they were 3-0, and now 3-1, and Carolina is a team there we look at, oh, major chance to get to the Super Bowl. Minor chance, yes. More well, so than the Eagles, uh, yes. Yeah. But a true Super Bowl contender, a little bit of a stretch right now. All comes down to what Stephen Gilmore is uh, going to try and accomplish when he becomes an unofficial free agent. All right, free agent Jeff Kerr here with me today on Birds 365. We'll take a quickie timeout. We come back. We are hope to be joined by Clark Judge, host on the Talk of Fame Network, right of them as well. He's next here on Birds Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We are Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jeff Kerr in for uh, Johnny Mack. Uh, he's got COVID testing today uh, to be able to get on the road and go with the Eagles Sound of Carolina to take on the Jacks, uh, the Carolina Panthers. Um, hoping to hear from Clark Judge. I guess I asked him to come on at 930. I thought he said 920. We always book our guests for 920, but uh, we may or may not get Clark up here at some point. Uh, so please stay tuned for that. Uh, the Carolina Panthers coached by one Matt Rule, second year in the NFL. Here's a college coach who actually has a chance to have some success. We talked about it earlier with Urban Meyer. Uh, Matt Rule is certainly a guy who came from the college ranks, uh, built two very good programs, did a great job at Temple, went to Baylor, resurrected a program with more problems than you could shake a stick at, uh, and got a chance in the NFL. Got a big payday to do it. Carolina wanted him, were willing to pay for him, and uh, more power to Matt Rule, and I thought he did a a solid job last year and a better job this year, a team that is absolutely trending in the right direction. Um, is Nick Sirianni outmatched this week in the coaching matchup between the Eagles and the Panthers? One thing I like about Matt Rule is that guy knows how to pick a staff. He did it at Temple. He did it at Baylor. And I thought Matt Rule's – and I talked about this a little just for the break, Joe Brady. Um, him being able to get Joe Brady into the National Football League from LSU was – and look, I was a big fan of Joe Brady when he was at Penn State. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, Jody. He was at Penn State when Franklin's early years there. Franklin got him in there, and, you know, Joe Brady, obviously, you know, you, it was just hard to move him up. So, you know, he, he moved to a bunch of other jobs before he landed the LSU gig. And I'll tell you what, it's – Joe Brady's going to be a head coach in the National Football League someday. And, you know, hopefully Shane Steichen can – be that type of guy for Nick Sirianni. I, I know Sirianni calls the plays, but yeah, it's. I, I think he might be a little outmatched this week, but I think this is a good barometer for him uh, because Matt Rule is one of the better young coaches in this league. He has the full vote of confidence, and by the Carolina Panthers, seven years, sixty-three million dollars proves that. So, I think it's going to be a challenge for him, no doubt. But you know, I want to see Nick Sirianni and how he does against the Andy Reeds and the Matt Rules and the Bruce Arians of the world, which he's going to get over these next couple of weeks. Like, I, that's why I'm so disappointed in Nick Sirianni in week three, because I, I 
think he's right on the Mike McCarthy level at this point of coaching. Like it's, I don't think Mike McCarthy's a good coach, but he's being a good coach this year because he's actually running the football and doing what he's supposed to be doing. And Dan, hiring Dan Quinn as the defense coordinator was a big move for him too. But yeah, I, I want to see what Nick Sirianni does against one of the better young coaches in the league. I, I think he's a little outmatched this week, but I think it's a good test for him. I really do. I, I think it's a good test for uh, both coaches because neither one has made the playoffs yet. Certainly, <laughs> the, the Eagles coach hasn't because he's four games into his system, uh, into his season. But uh, Matt didn't last year, um, and that was unfortunate because I think he'd be the coach of the Jets. Now, Robert Sala got his first win this year. It's not like the Jets uh, haven't been able to get a coach. They got a coach they like, and we'll find out how good he's going to be. But they were that close to hiring. Matt Rule way back when, before they hired their previous edge coach, which they had to run out of town pretty damn quickly. Um, yeah, Rule would have been a nice hire, but the, as you said, he's a guy who likes to put his coaching staff together. He feels strongly about it, and he didn't feel he had enough flexibility with the Jets to do so. All right, I see that uh, Clark Judge from Talk of Fame uh, Network is good uh, enough to join us for a couple minutes today. Hey, Ben, Clark, been a while. It has been a while. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? Good. Appreciate you coming on board. I got Jeff Kerr by my side today. A um, couple of major moves in the NFL over the last 24, 48 hours. Jalen Smith released by the Cowboys. Stephon Gilmore released by the Patriots. Uh, I want to ask about each of them individually, but combined, something that we can pull out of this that the NFL is – now a league that is more willing to move away from star name players, cap flexibility, non-fits, not going to be put up with, uh, no one willing to do deals or trades for these guys. Is there an underlining message with these two surprising cuts over the last couple of days? Yeah, money matters. <laughs> That's what that it's about. Um, you know, the, the thing with uh, the Dallas situation is if, if he got hurt, they were going to be on the hook for, I think, something like 9 or $10 million next year. And they, they, they weren't going to do that. Now, was I surprised? Yeah, I was surprised. I'm not, I don't live in Dallas, but I didn't see that happening. I live in New England. And so the Stefan Gilmore thing has been going on for a while. And, and they just apparently just can't get together on a deal. Now, wouldn't you think they'd try to make a deal in terms of trading him? But they just cut him loose. And that's kind of who they are. They've done that in the past. I remember the Randy Moss situation when they got him out of there. Dion Branch, they got him out of there. But they were wide receivers who were looking for new deals. This is a guy who is a premier cornerback, and I'll guarantee you somebody's going to sign him. And I would think Tampa Bay might be first in line, but somebody will sign him, and uh, and he'll be a productive player. But in, in both instances, it comes down to economics. They just felt like they uh, weren't willing to make deals that they felt they couldn't afford, and so moved on. Uh, Jerry brought this up earlier, Clark, and this is where the timing of the move is very questionable. You mm -hmm. cut Stephon Gilmore, okay, get it, but – they're, they might bring back Jamie Collins for a third yeah. stint. Like, I don't get what they're thinking. I often haven't gotten what they're thinking. That's Bill Belichick. And and that's why, I mean, you don't really know what goes on in his head. I, I've tried for years in the past uh, to try to, you know, understand him, but you don't know what's going on. I mean, when, honestly, when they let Deion Branch go, I went, what? what's going on here? That was Tom Brady's favorite receiver, Randy Moss. He's the one guy who can stretch the field. They've made some moves in the past. I mean, let's go way back to, you know, some of the defensive backs that they let Laurie walk. <laughs> yeah, Laurie McLaurie is, is that's the first guy I think of. And he was very popular in that locker room, was a productive player. They moved on. That was a long time ago. But um, he's still the same sort of guy. And I'm talking about Belichick, and it's it's worked there. 
but it worked there because he had TB12 with him, right? And ever since he's lost Tom Brady, things haven't quite been the same. And honestly, I would say if you look at his record without Tom Brady, it's a losing record. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I, – I, on the face of it, I don't get it, but I'm not in that office. I'm not around that team daily. I know it's been a source of aggrava- aggravation for months, and they finally just decided to cut their losses. I agree with you. I don't under, understand the timing, but – both of these guys will be picked up by somebody. They're both productive players who have a lot of football left in them. One last Patriot question, and then we're going to get your thoughts on Eagles because we enjoy getting out of town, guys. We get so insulated in picking apart every single thing about yep. the birds. It's nice to get a different perspective. Uh, Patriots, Bucks, Sunday night. Yes, the Buccaneers find a way to win late. A field goal on a doink that six inches the other way. Maybe the Patriots steal the game. I saw a lot of media members, uh, TV, radio, everywhere else, print, uh, suggesting it was almost a moral victory for the Patriots, which I understood where they were coming from. It made sense to me. Would Bill Belichick ever accept that? A moral victory? Would would you ever see or hear those words come out of the coach's mouth up there in New England? Jody, you know better than that to ask that question. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Yeah, he wanted to win that. Standing, but the one guy that matters, he, the actual head coach of the team. He wanted to win that game badly, and so did the quarterback on the other side. I thought that the what I took from that ball game was that we made a lot about Brady and Belichick, and the guy we're talking about afterwards is Mac Jones. Mac yeah. Jones played well. He outplayed Brady. I mean, Brady outlasted him, but Mac Jones outplayed him. Now he didn't win. But I think they may have something there. Now, it's far too soon to say that he's going to be an established quarterback. Way too soon. But with the conditions they were the way they were, it was a playoff type of atmosphere. The emotions that were involved, I thought he rose above it. I thought he played poised, um, played uh, smart, and he put them in position to win the game. The difference to me in that ball game was that 56-yard field goal, not because it was missed, but because it was tried. And I will go back a week earlier. I used to cover the Chargers for a long time. So I'm always connected to them and always really interested in what happens with them. They had a fourth and four at the 30-yard line to kick a game, possibly game-winning field goal against Kansas City. Illegal procedure, fourth and nine now. So it's from the 35. So it's, it's closer than where the Patriots were. And um, they had a kicker who didn't kick 36 straight field goals, but they had a kicker they relied on. And what did Brandon Staley do? He went for it. He went for it because he know, knew, I don't care how much time is left on the clock. If there's more than 30 seconds, Mahomes is going to beat me. Well, you've got a minute left. And of all people, Bill Belichick should know, even if we make that field goal, I've left too much time on the clock for this guy. Dallas discovered that the season opener. And so if you make the field goal, all right, there's still a minute left on the clock. What do you think is going to happen? He'll put them in field goal position and they'll win the game. So I was surprised at that. That said, I thought um, Mac Jones did did a terrific job. I think he's got, it seems, a future. But again, that's four games into the season. I thought he accounted himself very well. Uh, Clark, I know you've covered the Chargers for a long time. And I have to ask because I am the biggest Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert fan on this planet. Uh, <laughs> where, where do you rank Justin Herbert among the quarterbacks? I, I got him top five already. He's that good. Top five of? Of, of, of the league. Right, right now. We did four. Yeah, wait, so do I. Oh, so do I. Yeah. I, the way he's playing, 
Yeah, I, I've got so much confidence in him. The one game they lost this year was to Dallas. He made a couple bad throws, one in the end zone. Um, but that's not like him. He, he is so accurate. When they drafted him, I'll be honest with you, Jeff, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't pleased because I'd seen him his last year at Oregon. I didn't think he was particularly good. Um, I heard. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I thought, I'm not sure what they're doing. And, and they were, and, and um, I, I give Tom Telesco a lot of credit because he stuck by it. He was there. He took him, and immediately he made an impression. The second game of last year, I don't know if you guys recall it, that's where Tyrod Taylor was their yeah. starter, and all of a sudden, really like <laughs> Kansas City. Yeah, and before the game, before the Kansas City game, um, all of a sudden Tyrod Taylor says, uh, you know, I'm not feeling well, and, and what happened was he had a rib injury. is significant. You rush this kid in. He's got to play. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, good luck. Well, he threw for over 300 yards. They took the game to OT. They should have won the game. They didn't. Why? Because the coach didn't have the guts to go for a fourth and one. They've got a coach now who's aggressive and says, I think this guy can get virtually anything. And when he was asked about that fourth and nine, why do you go for it when you can kick the field goal? He said, because I have the best player on the field. Yep. And Patrick Mahomes was the opponent. I have the best player on the field. I like that. Clark Judge of uh, Talk of Fame Network, uh, Sports Illustrated website, here with us on uh, Birds 365. I want to ask about the birds. Everybody wants to get everyone's opinion registered on Jalen Hurts. It's yep. been all of four games. We know I continue to harp on. Uh, I, I'm getting perturbed by those that are already deigning him the Eagles quarterback of the future or four games. No, you shouldn't or tossing him out with the bathwater after four games. No, you shouldn't. You've got all year to judge him, and you should be judging him each and every single week. We're not asking you to give us a definitive answer on whether he's the Eagles' future quarterback or not. But do you like what you see out of Jalen Hurts' first four weeks, Clark? I, I, I like it, I, but I'm not sold. I'm somewhere in between, Jody. I'm not trying to take the easy way out. What no, is that, eight, that, eight games? That's the way it should be done at this eight time. Games. You're eight right. games. Yeah, eight games. And, and so um, I, I look at it and think, um, you know, the, his rookie year, and I go back because I was living in New York at the time, Eli Manning's rookie year, he came in the 10th game of the year, and Warren, uh, 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 they had been five and four. Um, and Kurt Warner, right. Yeah, with Kurt Warner, and, and, and they'd been five and four, and they were still in the mix, you know, but at that point, Tom Coughlin said, we're going with the rookie. I mean, we're going with the guy we believe in. And he was awful. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. He was awful. And he goes down to Baltimore and he produced a Blutarski. He had a 0.00 passer rating. And people were saying, what's going on? Why did they make this deal? Um, is he worth all that we gave up for him? But they said, patience, be patient. And the last game of the year, he actually won a game. I think it was against Dallas. He won a game. And so um, they got what they wanted, which was some experience. And next year, they rolled him forward. Last year, you got what you wanted from Hurts. You got some experience at the end of the year. Wasn't sure what was going on that last game of the season, but you, then you rolled forward. And now you've got four more games and you've seen the good and the bad and not so much the ugly, I'm occasional, but, but he's a young guy. He's still in his first year, really, as a rookie. And again, I, I mean, I'll go back to these guys. You know, you're right. I've covered this league for a long time. I remember Jeff, uh, John Elway's first year uh, out in San Diego. He lines up under guard under guard to take a snap. He threw seven touchdown passes that year, 14 interceptions. They had Steve DeBerg to relieve him all the time. It's a learning process. But in this day and age, we don't have any patience with anything, anything because of social media. You're either the worst, you're the best, whatever. There's no in-between. 
Give this guy a chance to grow, for goodness sakes. I mean, Donovan McNabb didn't become a franchise quarterback overnight. He didn't. Pretty good quarterback, but it took him a while, you know, and he played behind Peterson that first year. And so I, I would just I, I would preach patience to Eagles fans who don't have it. Um, and I understand that, but you're not going to get everything at once. I look at that division. It's Dallas and everybody else. I, I don't think anyone challenges Dallas. Dallas is pretty good. Um, and so um, this is going to be a time to, to find out about what you have, but not in eight games, not in four games this year. Give him a chance. Peyton Manning, his first year was three and 13, three and 13. Second year is 13 and three. I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but you, we get we get conned by some of these guys who step in. For instance, you mentioned Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert, to me, is the exception. That's not the rule. That's the exception. And the rule is more what Jalen Hurts is going through. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, Clark, I, I want to elaborate on that, too, because I'm a big stat guy. And I, I found this very interesting stat this week on Jalen Hurts that quarterbacks with 2,500-plus yards of total offense, you know, rushing, passing, their first eight career starts. Cam Newton, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, Eagles fans want this guy Benchford Gardner Minshew. Like, and they're like, well, you, you're acting like he's going to be Cam I'm like, I didn't say that. I'm just saying, you know – the proof's in the pudding. I mean, the guy's putting up numbers right now. Yeah, he is. I, I'm not a big stats guy. The big stat I want is wins. Yeah, I'm wins exactly. and losses. And that's what I love about Brady. I've always loved about Brady. He doesn't care about stats. He doesn't care whether he throws a touchdown pass or not. I mean, he, he wants to win, and that's all that matters. And, and if I believe that for a long time, I look at guys, and Roethlisberger is an example. I think Roethlisberger is a great quarterback. Not now, but he's a great quarterback he because he wins twice as many games as he loses. That's what you want. You want I me? Mean, Herm Edwards is right. You play the game to win. You know, you play it to win. And 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 so I want a guy who gets people around him and rallies them to, to win. And I've talked to people in and around the Patriots for enough years to know what Brady did with that team. He took marginal players and lifted them up. How? I don't know. Some guys can do that. Manning could do that. Mahomes seems to be able to do that. You put them up. I go back to, Jody, remember this guy, Burt Jones. Burt Jones did that. Carried the, the Colts on his back in the 1970s, you know, and and. And, and, and I go way back, I mean, I was a kid, certainly wasn't covering him, I'm not that old, but as a kid, I mean, I watched Unitas, and Unitas was my first, uh, my first childhood hero. In fact, there you go, guys, John. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, so um, in any case, I was a big Colts fan, but, um, but I, I love the quarterbacks that can, can do that to, to, to the rest of the team. And so I see, in fact, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Jeff, since you mentioned that, I was at a game in Philadelphia when Vince Young was the quarterback. They brought in Vince Young to play. And they were playing, I think, New England. I'm pretty sure they were playing New England. He threw for 400. He threw for 400. And someone said to me afterwards, and I must have been a fantasy football player, boy, he had a great game. I said, if you had been in that game, you would know he didn't have a great game. It's a lot of garbage time there where he piled up ridiculous numbers and that's why i think numbers can be misleading but um i want a guy who's got leadership ability that to me is the quality that most reveals itself in quarterback is, is leadership brady's got it you'll see others brady's not a particularly talented quarterback he is i mean he makes some throws that others can't but you want the five most talented quarterbacks today he's not one of them 10 most probably not one of them either but he makes the throws he needs to make he wins the game he has to win and so that's what i like about them with hurts to me is it's too early to tell. He's an extraordinarily talented guy. Yeah, he can produce a lot of numbers running, passing, that sort of thing. But um, let's find out, you know, in, in games to come, big games, this certainly was a, a game that you'd sort of measure the team uh, by. But to me, it was a little bit unfair because you're chasing Mahomes with a defense that couldn't stop him. So um, you're constantly chasing with field goals. 
You can't, you can't win with field goals oh, against the Mahomes. Uh, the infamous dream team with Vince Young. I had to bring that one up, huh, Clark? <laughs> yeah. uh, rub a little salt. I remember that game, too. That's okay. Uh, last <laughs> thing, Clark, and then we'll let you run. And I immediately thought of you this week because the conversation came up last week. I think of you as a Hall of Fame guy because you've got a Hall of Fame vote and you uh, work for a talk of fame. Yeah. Shady McCoy retired as an Eagle last week, came back that halftime ceremony. I uh, yeah. went elsewhere afterwards, had a good years in Buffalo, got a couple of cheapy Super Bowl rings being a member of the Chiefs and the Bucks the last couple of years. And you put whatever emphasis you put on that. Uh, it came up on the show and it came up on my radio show is Shady a Hall of Famer. I say the... no. Yeah, You're a I, guy I... who's got to vote. You know how the guys think and what gets said in the room when it gets debated and the like. Right. Is Shady McCoy a Hall of Famer? Uh, off the top of my head, I'd say no also. But I'd like to look at it more carefully, Jody. Honestly, it, it takes some uh, investigation, examination. I'd like to look at his case more clearly. Um, was he a guy you considered one of the top two or three backs in the league at one point? I, I, I don't know that. I mean, off the top of my head, again, I'd say probably not. But I, I, I remember covering those Eagles teams when he was a load. I, I, and yet he's in a class, or will be in a class, that, that's going to be loaded. I mean, um, Larry Fitzgerald probably is going to be in it. We don't know if he'll play again. Frank Gore probably is going to be in it. Uh, Luke Keekley definitely is in it. You start going down the list. And it's a loaded class. That doesn't mean he has to get in immediately. But he's got 20 years to do it. But um, we, we're really sort of reluctant to act on running backs lately for whatever reason. I mean, Edge just got in, but Edge had to wait a while. And and you look at his numbers, and he played on you know a championship. Uh, no, actually, he didn't. He, he was not on that championship team. But he played on really good Colts teams. And then goes to Arizona, and they get to the Super Bowl. But um, he was a guy that you associate with Manning and with Marvin Harrison. It was kind of a triplet situation like it was in Dallas. Um, I don't know that you would say that about McCoy because I think when you think of those Eagles, <clears throat> what comes up, you go, um, Brian Westbrook, honestly, to me, is one of the most unsung guys of all. Um, McNabb, okay, McCoy was there. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, boy, that secondary was so good. Um, you know, and what, what Jim was doing, Jim Johnson was doing, I, I think more of them on that defensive side. And then McNabb. Um, I think he'll be in the conversation. I'm, again, I'm not trying to dodge the question, even though it sounds like it. I'd have to look at it. Okay. But off the top of my head, just to say, yeah, I go, probably not. It's probably the best of the best of the best. Um, and so is he, well, off the top of my head, I'd say no. But is Frank Gore? Frank Gore was a compiler. But but Frank Gore was never an all-pro. You know, he, he was, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so he was a guy that got, but he's going to be in. He's going to, because he's, what, I don't know, the third or fourth, leading all-time all right. rush, he's going to be in. And so, um, and yet, did he ever win a rushing crown? No, he didn't. So he start going down checklists, and that's what guys will do there. And, Jeff, you talk about stats. They'll go down other things. Championships, did he win one? Um, and the answer is no. Was he in, uh, uh, was he in uh, conference championship games? The answer is yes, many of them. Um, rushing titles, let's start going down all pros, Pro Bowls. And Pro Bowls are minimized now because they're more like popularity contests. Right. But all pros. All pro and all decade. Was he that? And all decade resonates with me. It really does. Um, all pro does as well. But um, that's where it comes down to, Jody. And that's when you start, uh, you know, dissecting that. And that's why I said, I because I don't have that in front of me, I could certainly get it in a moment's notice. But no, 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 no. We're not um, going to. I, I, just I thought maybe you just, because he did the retirement thing, thought maybe you'd put the. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I always, I always respected him. Always respected him. Here's the deal. 
Clark, I'm going to call you and ask you to come back on the show in about five or six weeks. And when I call about you, five or six minutes, I mean, I can give you an idea. <laughs> unfortunately, we got to put a wrap on the show. But thank you for coming on. And no, I'm going to call it about five or six weeks. And I am going to hold your feet to the fire as to whether Shady McCoy is a Hall of Famer or not. Fair enough? No, you should. You should. And thanks, guys. Thanks for the time. Good talking to you. Our pleasure. That is Clark Judge of uh, Talk of Fame, uh, Sports Illustrated site here with us on uh, the Jacob Media YouTube channel. All right, J Mac, uh, uh, TK, I got to get out of here. Um, got another uh, gig I got to do. So we're going to wrap the show a little bit early today. Thanks for hopping on board. If you want to, real quickly, don't know if we're going to get you up Thursday or Friday. Eagles got a chance to win this week in Carolina. You know, I'm 4 0 picks this year, but I have a feeling that this could be an upset. I mean, after watching that, I just got done watching the the Carolina-Dallas game last night uh, before I went to bed. And, you know, the second time I watched it, I started thinking to myself, you know, this is a good team. And I go on a lot of Carolina radio stations in Charlotte, and I've hyped up this team. And I said, look, I, this team really has a chance to go 5-1, and 6-1 to start the year. But I don't know. The way – Make a call play. here, Kurt. You're, you're, you're hedging. Make a call. All It's Wednesday. I'll go Eagles. Eagles. All right. And uh, I'll text you on Friday and see if you want to change your mind. But JK, uh, thanks for hopping in with us today. Appreciate it greatly. We have you back up soon enough, bud. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me on, Jody. We'll be back here. Birds 365 in 22 hours plus. So keep it here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. 
go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.